0: Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through Him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Amen. Well, today is about preparation. And in Advent, in Latin, it means uh, advenio which means to come to. It's, it's the coming to, and it's a season, as we're celebrating um, the birth of Christ, in this Advent season, it's also a time to prepare our hearts for the second coming. Y'all know He's coming, right? Yes. And He's coming soon. And in His coming... There needs to be an attitude of us preparing ourselves. If you knew that Jesus was coming to your house for dinner, you would surely prepare. You would make everything ready. You would make you would look good. I'm sure you would dress up. I'm sure you would clean the house. I'm sure that you would do all that you could to honor him. You would put out the candles, you would make you have the best china, you would prepare. Imagine that, Jesus coming to your house to eat with you. I mean, I would be like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean think about it. Just think if he came to your house, knocked on. He's here. <laughs> oh gosh. Gotcha. Oh my gosh. What am I gonna do? You know, you know we would get ready for that moment. It would just be like the joy of our hearts. Honey, he's at the front door. I don't want to go answer it. Yeah, go answer it. I'm like, so this Advent season, we're preparing ourselves because he's coming to a theater near you. He's he's getting ready to visit. So on that day the the bride has made herself ready because we're being watchful we're waiting we're anticipating we're excited and we're just as John the Baptist said I want you to imagine when he said when he said repent and he said Prepare the way of the Lord. And he talks about that the high places will be made low. So I want you to think about these different descriptions of of what he's talking about. The high places, the low places, and the crooked places are actually the terrain of your heart. So it's kind of like the Lord is saying, I want the high places, those prideful places, those places that you're self-confident in, those places that you think you have it together and you really don't, he says, I really want you to bring those things down low. (laughs) Put it into perspective. I am God, you're not. So you're lowering down, you're making that big old mountain, that high place, that prideful place in your heart, you're bringing it down low. You're humbling yourself. Be humble. And then also he says he's going to raise up the low places. God is going to deal with the depressed areas in your life. He's going to deal with those broken areas, those areas that, that you feel weighed down in, that you feel heartsick in, that you feel uh, way down to where you can't even hardly get up. He's saying, let me lift you up. Let me lift up the low places. And then there's those crooked places, those places where you want to do what's right, but you do the very thing that you shouldn't do. It's those things that where you need to go right when you go left. He's saying, straighten out the crooked places. Repent for your waywardness, for your rebellion, for doing things your way. So all of these areas are descriptive areas of your heart. He's saying prepare the attitude, the terrain of your heart. That's making way for the Lord to visit you. He's coming to you. So in that, I am aware of one of the biggest struggles that we have as Christians is keeping our relationship with the Lord full of intimacy. Keeping our connection with the Lord. Keeping, as it says, our love on, Danny Silk. Keeping your love on with Jesus. And Matthew 24, verses 12 through 13, says this, And because of lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold but those who endure to the end he shall be saved if this is true which the word is true but if if there's going to be much lawlessness abounding and is is anyone possibly seeing an increase of lawlessness even in our land are, are you seeing the lawlessness you're seeing criminals being set free you're seeing you know just no one wanting to abide by the law wanting to do what they want a disregard lawlessness is abounding and it's increasing and if we're not careful the lawlessness has the ability to cause you to get so disheartened so offended so upset that it's going to affect your love for Jesus. It's going to affect or erode your connection with the Lord Jesus. So in that. If this is true. The enemy is going to do everything he can to get you focused on the external issues. Lawlessness. At the neglect of the internal issues. And that is keeping your love on. Being in love With Jesus, the lover of your soul. The enemy is going to release the little foxes. Does he want to just feel like sometimes there's just little foxes nipping at your heel all the time? It's like, my goodness, what is going on here? You know, I'm trying to stomp out one and then another one nips me on the other heel. You know, foxes have a way to erode and affect the vine affect your relationship christ is the vine; we're the branches but there's these foxes that are released that that robs us of our true relationship so if it's true that foxes will be released there'll be offenses there'll be lawlessness there's a lot of external things that are going to be going on that can erode your intimacy your love Your communion, your abiding in Jesus. So if this is true, the love of many will grow cold. So we have to grow in intimacy with God. Where is your love connection right now? With Jesus. Have you been so busy this last week that you forgot to be with him? Have you been so busy in life that you're not spending time with him? Over time, it's a slippery slope. It's like all of a sudden, it's like, whoo, where are you? You don't have that love and feeling. You lost that love and feeling. Whoa, whoa. I mean, you lost it, baby. I mean, we can't lose that love and feeling. So Jesus makes it clear. He says in John 15, 9, Abide in my love. And when you abide in love, you know what? You become like love. When you abide in love, you become like love. It's like what you behold is what you become. See, Jacob... Understood this principle. You know when he was. Laban gave him all the ragtag. Low end goats. That didn't. Didn't look like they really were. Going to measure up to anything. They had spots. They had stripes. They had all kinds of things. And. But what he understood was. There was a principle. Of what you behold is what you become. So. Laban gave him a bad batch of goats and sheep and all kinds of animals, I'm sure. And so he would stick a poplar branch in front of a watering hole, so that when the spotted uh, sheep went to water uh, and get a drink, then they would mate at the watering hole. So I want you to understand this: as that one is drinking, one is mating. They're beholding a stick of spots all on this poplar branch. So as they're beholding it, they gave birth to what? Spotted sheep. What you behold is what you become. So the, the principle, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you look at young people today. You know, they, they have their their, 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 uh, their groups that they love to hear, you know, the music groups. You know, all of a sudden, they start beholding them, listening them, watching them. Next thing you know, they start dressing like them. They start looking like them. I mean, what you behold is what you become. So, you know, Daniel sang a song today during worship, and it said, I love this lyric, Daniel. I was made to love you. I was made to love you. Acts 4.13 says this. I love this verse. Peter and John had just gotten done healing a lame man that was um, by the gate. The gate beautiful. And and Peter walks up to him and says, and he's begging, hey, hey give me some money. And Peter said, silver and gold have I None. But what I do have, I give to you. Arise. Get up. And this lame man gets up, starts walking and leaping and praising God. And he comes into the temple with him. He's happy as a lark. Well, all of the, the Pharisees are, are looking at this guy and they realize, Hey, that's Joe. He sat in front of the temple all these years begging. Now he's walking and leaping and praising God. And they could not deny it. So the Pharisees got a little upset. So they called him in. You know, basically they're telling him, okay, we're going to let this one go. Just don't talk about Jesus anymore. Peter says, par be it from me. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you, but I'm going to serve and honor God. And basically, they couldn't do anything about it. So let's look at verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence, who's observing the confidence? The Pharisees, the confidence of Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained, they were amazed. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Come on. You know what? I mean, come on. Your time with Jesus in your closet, where you're communing with Him, relating with Him, growing in love with Him, honoring Him, worshiping Him, and you're being in His presence, what a greater compliment that anyone can have is when you go and be with your friends or when you go out into the marketplace and all of a sudden someone looks at you and they say, You've been with Jesus. What a remarkable compliment that we are actually a reflection of the one that we're abiding with and being with. You've been with Jesus. I can tell. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your face. You're reflecting the one that you love. You know, in a marriage... People just don't lose that love and feeling. You know, you just don't lose it. Like it's just here today and gone tomorrow. It's a bird that lands on your shoulder and then it's gone. Where'd it go? I lost it, my bird. You know, it's just a gradual neglect of each other that eventually erodes the relationship where you have no more respect and love for each other. It's it's a gradual erosion because you're not spending time, you're not connecting, you're not honoring each other, you're not edifying each other, you're not doing the things that are important just for basic one-on-one relationships. You can't have a relationship with someone you don't spend time with you got to be with that person. You've got to come to know them. Know what their heart is. I, you know, I recently, I, I mean, I'm, I hear of young couples today that are are just are falling out of marriage. They're, they fall out of love. They are, are getting divorced. And it's like, and the reason is that You know, Mary's takes work. It takes effort. It takes a lot of effort. Amen! Amen. Let me hear from everybody. It's hard work. And you got to stick in it when it gets hot in the kitchen. But it's worth it. The love grows, love expands, love begins to believe all things. It begins to hope, love endures all things, even when it's hot in the kitchen. But love is something that, that, that it just, you know, you don't start out at this level with love and that's all you have for the rest of your life. Love grows. Love grows. So People just don't fall out of love. They didn't get there overnight. It happened by a neglect of giving attention to each other. You know, I've told people that, you know, have lost that love and feeling. I said, you know what? It's going to take time to recover it. You didn't get here overnight. It's going to take time to recover that love. Love takes time and effort and attention. So, growing in love takes intentionality, hard work, committed to protecting the connection between each other. That needs to be taking place in your relationship with Jesus. Are you protecting your relationship with Jesus? Are you protecting the connection that you have with Him? Matthew 25 Jesus uses a parable of the 10 virgins to really describe what the church is going to look like before his return. And it's so important that we take highlight and understand this parable because this is what it's going to look like before Jesus returns. And it all comes down to this one thing who has oil and who does not 50% of the church is going to have oil 50% of the church is not it all comes down to how much oil do you have and there are necessary steps to obtain this most important element of a lamp which is the oil? You can't have an empty lamp. You can't have a lamp and just a wick. You have gotta have some oil. I got an old oil, I got two oil lamps downstairs, and 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 you know, it doesn't work. That lamp does not work unless there's oil. It's not like a light switch. You gotta have oil in the lamp. And then you got to trim the wick, and then it soaks up. It comes up into the wick, the oil, and then it lights and shines the light. So Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flask along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout Behold, the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, that will not be enough for us, and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. Let us in. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Beyond the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour of his return. I do not know you is a, is a word, The Greek word. It's, it's, it's a deep word of understanding of the intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. It is the intimacy that we are to have with God to love him with all of our heart soul mind and strength is the primary aspect that we are to be doing before his return oil is obtained through a deep intimate relationship with the bridegroom and he doesn't let the other ones in because oil, the other ones, the five, oil is not something that you can buy on Amazon. Oil is only acquired through intimacy and closeness and relationship with our Savior. Who is the anointed one? Jesus. Jesus. What does the anointing represent? Oil. How do you get oil? By being with the anointed one. you got to look oily. <laughs> the anointing has got to be upon you. Your face has got to shine with oil. You need oil all over you. And in you. Filling you. The anointing of the oil of the Spirit is what we need. And oil is acquired through intimacy, closeness, connection. Where is your connection with Jesus? If you're not being with Him, You're not an oily person. (laughs) Oil is good. So what is the oil level in your lamp right now? Let me just ask. Is there oil in your lamp? I mean, that's something that we need to be aware of. We need to be cognitive of the fact that oil represents relationship. And if you're not spending time with the one that saved you, that's really going to affect the anointing of you. That's going to affect your oil level. I want to have a bunch of oil in my lamp. I mean... It is vitally important, church. I mean, doing the works of God are critical. We're to do the works of God. We're to be seeing people saved, healed, and delivered. We are. Because there's a reward that comes for those that that do the work, the ministry of Jesus. And it's also important that before his return, that we purify ourselves. We're to be pure. We're to be holy. It's also true that we are to be faithful. We're to be faithful to the end. We're to be faithful to the promises of God. We're to be faithful to stand for what's right and what's true and what's honorable. Those, all those things are vitally important. But the wellspring that everything flows from... Is first and foremost your intimacy with God. Everything else flows out of that. You know, we're not just to be worker bees. Hey, everybody look busy. He's coming home. You know, he doesn't want a worker, he wants a lover. He's coming back for a bride, he's not coming back for a hireling. Our hearts have got to be in love. How much love do you have? So turn with me to Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You gotta who who pinned that? Solomon, right? Isn't that, isn't that the dude? Solomon, right? All right. Solomon, wisest man in all the world. He had a gift of wisdom. Solomon starts his ministry with these instructions. The beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He's really beginning to unpack that the fear of the Lord is is the key to knowing God intimately and staying connected with God. But intimacy is a two-way relationship. And it's, it's a major key to having a relationship that stands the test of time. I want to read to you a staggering statistic, and that is this. In the Bible, only 23% of all the great men and women of God in the Bible ended their ministry in success. 23%. I want you to think about that. You know, we can see that even Solomon, in all his wisdom, he ended up as a wayward king. He did not end his ministry in success, although he was given the template and he was told in the beginning what to do. But he went wayward. Because you know what? When you chase after 700 or more women, you're going to get in trouble. You know what? You get divided. Having to care for 700 women, oh my goodness, I'm telling you. I don't know what he was thinking. And then he had to follow after their gods. And so it's staggering to think that almost 77% of the Bible, people in the Bible, did not fulfill their destiny, their ministry. 77%. So it would be wise on our part to do everything we can to guard our calling and our destiny in God, our relationship with Him. So let's look at a, a major key to discovering longevity in our relationship with Jesus. I want—I'm in this thing for the—I'm—I'm I'm in, I'm in for the end for the long haul. I'm not here for just a quick sprint. You know, I'm—I'm I'm here because at the end, I want to hear, "Well done, my good." And faithful servant. Enter in to your good pleasure. Proverbs two answers this question in Proverbs. And that is this: if you seek her and pursue her like silver, and search for her like a hidden treasure, those that seek Pursue and go after love in relationship with the Lord. God reveals Himself to those who diligently seek Him, search for Him, and want to be with Him. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Ask and you shall receive. God reveals himself to people that are hungry and are pursuing after him. We must pursue the purposes of God all the days of our lives. I don't care if you're 90 or 9, he still wants you to have a heart for those that are older, like Caleb. I can take that mountain, I can still take them giants. He wants us to have a Caleb spirit that goes after the things of God that are important to God. He always wants us to be students that are studying and pursuing him until the day we die. We are to pursue growing in our relationship with him. Isaiah 55 6 says this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So we must go after the things of God in pursuit of God to meet God. But what is a health? What is a definition of the fear of God? A healthy fear of the Lord is reverence or respect. Nelson's illustrated Bible says a healthy fear is reverence or respect. We esteem his desire more than ours so i know two ways that you can fear the lord you know fear of the lord is is i think honestly i think fear of the lord is something that is very challenging for us to comprehend and understand what it is we we think what is the fear of the lord what is this all about but i know two ways that we can fear the lord and that is by Having obedience to His Word, number one is obedience, and number two, having a respect and an honor towards a holy God. Obedience is number one, to His Word. This is one way that we can walk in the fear of the Lord. And one way is that we show reverence is by obeying His Word. Obey what He says. If he says it, he means it. It's not a suggestion in the word. He's saying it because in many ways, it's life or death. Because the choices that we make in life choose whether we walk in a path of blessing and prosperity or that we walk in a path of potential destruction and hardship. He, you know... God's word is simply to be a, a guide, a light to our path. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's to really show us the way. He's really, really like, I know what's out there and I know what's good for you. So I want you to listen and obey my word because life, health, prosperity will, will come upon you. John 14, 15 says this If you love me, keep my commandments so it's 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 simple the demonstration of your love for jesus is that when you get up out of your quiet time you don't walk into your day and forget about what he just told you in his word and do what you want to do out of disobedience it's your love for him is going to say you know what I love you more than what I desire and some of the bad desires. I'm going to be obedient to you of showing my love for you. You know, a couple weeks ago I had had an opportunity uh, to, to really walk in love and throw off Anger. Anybody get angry or frustrated over a situation? Well, good because it makes me feel better. I got angry the other day, <laughs> and and you know, I I got offended, and and my heart, you know, I I could, I could you know, it was after a, maybe a day. All of a sudden, I'm like. I don't feel that love and feeling thing. You know, God, where are you? You know, someone flipped the switch. You know, that anger just kept and it's like it's kept growing, too. And I'm like, ah. you know, it just kept taking on a life of itself. And then I realized, you know, Lord, I know you say in your word, take no offense in anything. Literally take no offense in anything. I don't care what someone said to you or what somebody's done to you, or whatever's happened, you cannot take an offense. It's like bait on the end of a stick that the enemy puts out before you. And it's a, it's a dainty morsel. I mean, it's a T-bone steak. I mean, he wants you to take a bite. He puts it out there. He wants you to, come on, you know you like that. And then once you take a bite of it, he hooks you because there's a hook in that t-bone stake and he's got you he's trapped you and you know scripture is really clear in in proverbs it says that offended brother is hard to win over when you've gotten offended with somebody it's hard to win them back So scriptures, Paul says, take no offense in anything. It says in the last day, woe to the offenses, the many offenses that are going to come. In the last days, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to get offended. We cannot, we have to be unoffendable. Just put it across your chest. Unoffendable. (laughs) I'm not going to get offended. And you have to make that Uh, That's guarding your heart. That's guarding the wellspring of your heart. Because out of your heart flow the issues of life. Guard your heart by being unoffendable. You can't get upset because someone's not doing something the way you think they ought to be doing it. Guard your heart. Become unoffendable. Don't take the bait why because the offense is the little foxes that want to rob you of your intimacy with god the offenses are the things that come your way that actually can rob you of of your closeness with the lord it is so hard for you to sit down and have a quiet time and commune with the lover of your soul when your heart is enraged because somebody just spoke a word to you that was evil. I mean, come on. That's like trying to mix oil and water. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, of course, I'm so upset with this person. I mean, you can't be duplistic. You can't, you can't be two-faced. You either love or you don't. Oh, be obedient to his word. Repent of anger. God's given you 24 hours to deal with your anger. And you all heard this before. He's given you basically uh, an escape hatch. He's saying you got 24 hours. Why? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because it becomes an animal on the inside of you that will turn on you and will eat your lunch. He's saying let go of it. Deal with it. So if you've gotten upset with your spouse, deal with it. Don't go to bed angry. If you've gotten upset with your best friend, deal with it. Don't let anger go down on any friendship, any relationship, any connection that you have with any human on planet Earth. Get rid of it. An offense is kryptonite to your walk with Jesus let the anger go it is highly overrated even though you might be right even though you might have you might be in the right you might have not done anything and you're just holding on to it because you want to be right And the bottom line is that you've lost all your rights at the cross. You don't have any right for anything. You are blood-bought and saved, as Dan says, to the uttermost because of our precious Savior, what he did for you. You've lost all your rights. You're his. You're no longer yours. You're his. So get over it. You know, looking at the cross, we can see that it speaks one thing so loudly. When you look at the cross, you see Jesus in his obedience to the Father. He would rather obey, he would rather honor and obey and do all things for his Father than to have things his way. He, being obedient, Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. And even Moses, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Moses chose obedience rather than sin. The other aspect that will guard your intimacy with God in understanding this key of the fear of the Lord is this, is having reverence for a holy God. To understand the fear of the Lord is to really realize that first and foremost we worship a holy God. And the scripture says that we're to be holy as He is holy. We are to be perfect as He is perfect. But out of His great love for us there's one thing that a loving Father does not tolerate And that is habitual sin. That is hidden sin. That is sin that you hope that no one finds out about. And let me just explain something. You know, if someone chooses to flirt with sin and not repent and be cleansed of their sin... What you're in jeopardy of is that a holy God who loves you so much is not going to allow you to stay in the pig pen. What you've got to realize is this. A loving Father who is patient, long-suffering, and is so kind. He knows that there comes a time. And as a father, he's the only one that knows when that time is. But understanding the fear of the Lord is knowing that a holy God will expose your sin. That which is done in the dark, what? Will be brought to the light. You're not going to get away with your sin. Your habitual sin. It's not going to be able to be pushed under the rug. And it's out of his love for you. Because the end game of sin is what? Death. And he is so holy. But he's also so loving towards his children. Now I'm not saying you've. You fall one time and it's done. Oh, it's done. The hatchet's coming down. God is long suffering and kind, but he knows that there comes a time in which your habitual pattern of sin actually will turn on you one day and will actually harm you to the point where it 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 erodes your relationship with Him. So there comes a time when the Lord says, enough is enough. And that which is done in the dark will be brought to the light. Luke eight seventeen. look at this verse with me. For all that is secret... Will eventually be brought into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to the light and made known to all men. Is it a sobering thought to think that potentially all of your dirty underwear could be brought to the light? and exposed to everybody? That's a loving and holy God. And that is why the fear of the Lord is to be understood in that, yes, He is loving, but we're to have reverence for a God that will not allow you to stay in your sin. He will expose you. He will shout your sin upon the rooftop in the city and let everyone know. You know, it's better to fall on the rock than to let the rock fall on you. Because when the rock falls on you, it crushes you. When you fall on the rock and repent and turn and realize, I can't keep up doing this. I can't keep doing this. This is crazy. I repent, Lord Jesus, of my sin. The fear of the Lord is knowing that a holy God will expose your sin in time. You know, we think about it. You think you hear of all these hor- horrific murders that have taken place 20, 30, 40 years ago and now they're all being exposed. You know, You don't get away with it. God deals with it. And He brings that which is done in the darkness to the light. So, having a a respect for God, a reverence that He's holy and He's loving, and He wants you to obey Him, is, is your protection. It is your shield it is your guard it is your it's like wisdom which is garland around your neck that protects you watches over you this is why the fear of the lord is a key to protecting the intimacy between you and god it is keeping the the foxes out of the hen house it is allowing your relationship with him to be so cultivated that it's it, it, it grows in love with each other. But sin breaks down any relationship. It breaks down your communication. It breaks down everything. So understanding the fear of the Lord is knowing that out of his love for you, he will not continually allow you to walk disobediently before him. That's reverence. That's reverence. That's saying, God, you're holy. You're not in fear of him. This isn't fear. This is reverence. But when you repent and you turn from your ways, your relationship is restored. Thanks be to God. So the fear of the Lord is a key to protecting this closeness that you have with God. You know, the end of Solomon's life, he was able to circle back around after 700 wives and finally realize, oh my gosh, i really messed this thing up. But this is what he says. The end of Solomon's life, he was able to come to the same conclusion as he did in the beginning of his ministry. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning Of wisdom and knowledge so here's what he said ecclesiastes 12 13 let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all in all fear God have reverence for a holy God and obey his commandments those two things Keep the relationship strong. So therefore, we're to see that the fear of the Lord is key. Is key to keeping your connection, your intimacy with God. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen says this. The secret of the Lord... I just shared with you guys a secret today. Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. A key, a secret to keeping the love on, to growing in intimacy with God, is obeying Him and having reverence for Him those two elements are vital for us to prepare our hearts so as i started out repent prepare the way of the lord we're in a season of advent of we're preparing ourselves for his return i think we need to remind ourselves he is coming back and it could be tomorrow it could be 10 years no one knows But we have to be ready. So let's make sure that the high places in your heart are brought low. The low places are lifted up. And the crooked places are made straight. Let the terrain of your heart be a haven for God to dwell. And for Him to be there with you as you are close with Him. Amen. let's just stand together I wanna Father I just thank you so much I thank you so much that Lord you're all about relationship you're all about connection you're all about us just remaining with you and being with you And Lord, I pray today that Lord, if if there are those that have been struggling with just the little foxes of life that are nipping at the heels of life and have eroded and have short-circuited anyone's relationship in this room with you. Lord, I'm asking that you would bring Those things to everyone's attention if there's anyone here that's lost their connection and love with you Lord Jesus Lord your word says that you'll leave the 99 you'll leave 99 church-going people to go find that one that's lost one that's lost their way and one that needs to be found Lord, I'm asking this day that you would pursue and go after those that have lost their way because they've lost their connection with you. And I ask, Lord, that you would shine the light on everyone's heart. And Lord, if there's anyone here that is really needing to kind of come back home to you and to reconnect with you and to repent for going their own way. And not cultivating intimacy with you. Lord, I ask that you'd move on their heart just to want to come running and come on back home. Just to come on back home to the lover of their soul. Ask Holy Spirit that you would move upon your people, that you would awaken the hearts that have grown dull, that are asleep. That are indifferent. Hearts that have gotten hardened. Because of offenses. I'm asking Lord that. Those that are far away. Would be brought near today. So I ask Holy Spirit. That you would draw those. That you want to. You want them to come on back home. It's time. Come on back home. Aren't you weary. Tired. It's time to come home. Lord Jesus, I ask right now that you would move upon the hearts of everyone here and that our hearts would be restored and that there would be intimacy flowing between our relationship with you and that there would be much oil in this house. That we'd be an oily people. Our lamps are filled up. But Lord, if there's those that the oil level is low, Lord, I'm asking that you would just draw them today. If if you're in a place where you've kind of lost your way, lost connection, lost your relationship, this is a day the Lord just wants to restore things. He just wants to make everything right. Because you matter. Your heart matters. Because He loves you. So if there's anyone here that needs just some ministry and to be reconnected with the Lord, I want you just to come forward. There's so much going on today that can distract us from the one that we love. So if anyone, if I had some of the prayer team come on up. If there's anyone that just is tired and weary and just needs refreshing today to be in his Presence, I ask you just to come forward and let's get some prayer. Let's respond to Him. Come on home to Him. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you. I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, that we will be a church that's made itself ready for your return. I thank you, Lord, that we're going to prepare our hearts, that we're going to be attentive. And intentional with our hearts. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And we worship you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray you'd bless and keep each and every one. That Lord you would make your face shine upon everyone here and be so gracious to them. And Lord, I pray you lift up your countenance upon them and give them your shalom peace. And, Lord, I thank you for your peace that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I bless each and every one with your peace, and I thank you for that in Jesus' name.